friends, it's good to be in worship together. My name is Adam, and I just love being one of the pastors here at our church. also want to give a shout out to everybody who's online or will experience this message later on in the week on our podcast or our website. Uh, in January of 1920, construction of the Cincinnati subway began. Now, I could have picked from many failed construction projects across our great nation's history, but anytime you get the chance to bag on the home of the Bengals, you know I'm going to do it. <laughs> so a little pettiness to start off the sermon here. What could be better? So the construction of the subway began, and then post-World War I inflation uh, began to take its toll, and prohibition actually changed some of the economics of downtown Cincinnati. Business demand went down and funding ran out. And so a single train has never ran on the abandoned subway project. Isn't that a creepy photo? I think we all know what it's like to begin something but not see it through. Jesus spoke about this tendency more than once. He said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? And in addition to this construction imagery, Jesus also employed an agricultural metaphor in the famous parable of the sower. Jesus illustrated the same concept of starting but stopping when he said the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So once we've made a decision to trust in Jesus, how do we keep from being like an abandoned subway or a shriveling seedling? Too often the church has been eager to count decisions because we can quantify those. They're easy to count. Too often people have viewed a decision to trust in Jesus as the end when really it's only the beginning. The goal of following Jesus is much more than a single decision. It's a lifetime of discipleship. So over the next five weeks, we're going to be exploring what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We've been inspired by the John Mark Comer book, Practicing the Way, for this series. And in it, the author makes the case for Jesus' intentions being so much more than putting our hands in the air a Sunday or praying a single prayer. And so what we want to do is equip all of us to be living lives as disciples of Jesus. And so this series is called Soul Food, Spiritual Practices that nourish the soul. I don't know if you have a certain meal or dish that reminds you of a certain person. Maybe it's been passed down to you. Uh, our daughter is named after both Sarah and I's grandmas. Her name is Betsy Irene. And Sarah's grandma Irene had a particular dish she made called seven in one. And it means a lot more to Sarah than just the nutrient contents, right? Even just the smell of it in the house can, can really transport her back. Now I do most of the cooking in the house and so you better believe, now typically I'm kind of like, oh, we'll add a little of this, a little of that. Not when I make seven in one. Do not mess with it, right? She's got the original handwritten recipe card from her grandma. It's almost a sacred thing. It's a very comforting thing. It has almost a healing quality to it for Sarah. And so that's the effect that these practices can have, not just on your senses, but in your spirit. And so today we're going to be looking at the practice of reading scripture and what I hope we'll discover together as we study God's word is that books contain information. Scripture conveys revelation. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is preparing himself for public ministry. Matthew is one of the four books 
that begins the second half of the Bible called the New Testament. And Jesus has gone out into the wilderness, or what we might think of as the desert, and he's going to be there for 40 days. And that could literally be 40 days and nights, or that's also sometimes kind of code for a while. And while in the wilderness, Jesus squares off with Satan. So we'll pick up the story in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there's a lot to be said about this conversation between Jesus and the devil. What I want to focus in on is the nature of the temptation. Matthew describes the devil as the tempter, and this was the tempter's strategy to hit Jesus where he would be weakest. He had been fasting, abstaining from eating. Pastor Kiray talked about that on our service on Ash Wednesday last week. So Jesus has been abstaining from eating, and so the devil tries to tempt him with food. And Jesus' response is to quote from Scripture. Jesus uses the first half of the Bible, uh, because the second half wasn't around yet, and he actually quotes Deuteronomy 8.3. Man shall not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. One of the results of studying Scripture is that it equips us with the truth in the face of temptation. In the context of Deuteronomy, what Jesus was quoting The bread that's referred to is manna. That was the substance that kind of came up upon the ground almost like morning dew. And it was this wafer-like bread that God sent for the people of Israel while they were in the desert after their escape from slavery in Egypt. So we require physical things like food in order to live. And God provides these, but there is more to life than just this. Just like God provided the manna to the people of Israel in the desert to sustain them, God provides his word to sustain us, to show us what we really need to truly live. So Jesus knew the scriptures. I I guess in a way you could say he helped write them. But Jesus had studied the scriptures in advance of being in the desert. He was prepared. And one of the ways scripture and studying scripture prepares us is for the word of God to be on top of our minds, particularly verses that we keep close to our hearts. So these are a few that I've found myself repeating throughout life, depending on what's going on. You know, during struggles, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's from Galatians 6.9. When... when Thinking about leadership in any organization, your family, even yourself, the Psalms remind us that unless the Lord builds the house, the workers labor in vain. Right When you're not there yet, but you're on the way, when you've barely made a start, it's good to remember Zechariah 4.10. Do not despise the day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And to me, the goal for all of us who call ourselves Christians is to one day hear Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, I don't expect anyone to be impressed that your pastor has four pretty short Bible verses memorized. What I do hope is that you can commit several verses to keep top of mind for when you find yourself in the desert. 
So on a micro level, these individual verses can help speak truth and strength into our lives in the different scenarios we find ourselves in. But I want to kind of zoom out on a more macro level. When Jesus said that we need to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God, what did Jesus mean? And how do we live on this word? The Bible's much more than a book of information, but there's certainly a lot of information available. There's a way of studying the Bible that helps us understand more facts and context of what we read in the pages of Scripture. The Bible is a collection. It's not just one book. It's actually a collection of a bunch of smaller books, 66 books written across three continents with 40 different authors over the course of hundreds of years. It was written by fishermen, tax collectors, shepherds, kings, doctors, uh, political advisors, prisoners, farmers, and poets. It's not organized in chronological order, but by, by groupings of genres like law and history and poetry, prophecy and letters. There's lots of different types of literature in the Bible. Sometimes when people don't feel like they have a lot of information about the Bible, they feel inadequate to try and read and study it. And it almost becomes like this self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, I don't know much more about it. And that prevents you from learning more about it. In my estimation, the Bible is the most studied document in human history. So in the information age, we have a ton of information available. There's a ton of resources, which almost can make it hard to know where to start. All the information available actually becomes a stumbling block. And so I hope in this message to give us some tools to start or to deepen your study of Scripture. And so if that's a practice you already have, I'm not looking to mess with you. I'm trying to give us all a place where to start or where to go further. The information in and about the Bible can be a stumbling block. When we read difficult passages, it can be hard to reconcile the information in the pages of Scripture with our experience of God or what we've been taught about God. It's especially difficult when we haven't been taught a whole lot. And then we read verses about, say, the role of women or slavery or a bunch of other odd things that we read with our eyes from 2024. The Bible is a very complex book. And things like knowing more about ancient cultural norms or knowing more about ancient languages or the interpretive decisions that Bible translators make, translating it into English, knowing more about the process of the Bible being canonized or the standard of what books are going to be in it, and understanding that there's been a thousand years of historical interpretation in the church. These are all necessary to help us understand more about the Bible. But the Bible is not primarily about information. 43% of the Bible is narrative. It's in story form. 33% of the Bible is poetry. And 24% is what the Bible Project calls prose discourse, like speeches, letters, essays, like information, laws, or lineages. And so if God wanted us to have a simple list of facts, I think we would see something much different in the pages of the Bible. Like if God just wanted us to know the bare-bone facts, that's not what we got. I think God's word would reflect that if that was what God wanted. What God gives us through God's word is revelation. And I don't mean the last book of the Bible. I mean the operative word reveal. God reveals himself. God is revealed through the course of the Bible. 
The Bible spans multiple genres, authors living thousands of years apart. We talked about all the complications of it. And still, it contains the unified story of God's redemptive pursuit of people. Studying scripture reveals God's character for us to understand what God is like. Studying scripture reveals God's will for our lives and for us to understand how to live. And studying scripture shows us, in the words of Methodist founder John Wesley, the only insufficient rule, both of Christian faith and practice. Studying scripture reveals all that we need to know about God to place our faith in God, and then what we need to faithfully respond, to live that out. Books contain information. Scripture conveys revelation. There's always more of God to be revealed to us. And so studying scripture is a lifelong practice that prevents us from being like an abandoned subway. It allows us to keep going in the maturation of our faith. In the culinary world, there's a tradition called stodging. And this is where a prospective cook works briefly for free in another chef's kitchen. And and, and in doing so, they're working under the chef to learn new techniques and cuisines. Stodging gets its etymology from the French word stagiaire, meaning trainee, apprentice, or intern. So you study under the chef to learn and repeat their techniques, to learn to cook how they do. I think this is a great image for life as a disciple of Jesus. Author John Mark Comer notes that the word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament. Three. To put that in perspective, the word disciple or apprentice is used 269 times. So Jesus doesn't invite us into this contractual obligation based on information. He invites us into living into God's revelation of faith revealed in God's character and for us to practice God's will. Comer says to do this, we must be with Jesus. And so throughout this series are spiritual practices that will put us in a position to do just that to receive from Jesus who called himself the bread of life. The season of Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter. And the word Lent comes from the Latin word for spring. And as we journey to Easter, you're going to be invited to kind of this buffet of spiritual practices. If you've already got one or several that you do, I'm not looking to mess that up. Think of this almost like the Costco sampling. Of, of spiritual practices. But for those of us looking for a place to start, or for those looking of us to maybe add something and go deeper, that's what this is about. I'm not trying to rearrange a good thing you've got going, but I want to give us a lot of options because there are different types of personalities, just like we may like different cuisines. How far can I take the food analogy? <laughs> Pretty far. Uh, just like we like different cuisines, there's different practices that may resonate with us. So we want to give you a wide range. So if you already have a practice or a rhythm, a habit, keep it up. I'm not looking to mess with that. But I do want everyone to have a place to start. And so if you're more curious about information about the Bible, I would recommend two resources uh, among several. But the two I want to point out today are Chuck Swindoll's Insights for Living. Some of you may be familiar with Chuck Swindoll's radio program. And he has a ton of amazing information about the books of the Bible on his website for free. Chuck Swindoll's Insights for Living. 
I mean, so this is about the book of Matthew. You can see who wrote the book. Where are we? There's maps. Where do you think I get my maps for some of these slides? There's this thing at the top right. It's like a, it's like a glimpse of the book uh, just on one page. And so we can, we can get a sense of the context and information about these different books of the Bible. Chuck Swindoll's Insights for Living, great resource, totally free. I also recommend The Bible Project. They have a great video series and, and their podcasts are really good. And I think what The Bible Project excels at is making really complex information be very approachable. So thebibleproject.com is another great resource. But as we've said, books contain information. And scripture in one way has a lot of information, but it's much more than that. Scripture conveys revelation. Reading scripture to gain information, like so we always have a guilt-free Bible trivia uh, question set, a trivia night. So we'll have one, but we're going to have fun with it. Like studying scripture isn't to win Bible trivia night. There's a way we can read scripture in order to gain information, but we're aiming for something much different. We want to read scripture to be with Jesus. So during this series, we're going to be test piloting a weekly devotion, and that's going to follow the content of our messages. So my man Keith put a brand new button on our website. So if you go to carney.church and scroll all the way to the bottom, boom, there's a button that says weekly devotion. And so that's going to track along with our messages. It's going to be uploaded Monday morning, and it's going to look like this. This is from our pilot last week. You're going to see a scripture to read and a couple questions to consider, and we're just trying to give you resources in order to practice this discipline of studying scripture. This provides you the time to be with Jesus, to stodge with him, to learn what true life really is. For you to have God's will revealed, to see God's character revealed in the pages of Scripture. This is how we learn to really cook from the master chef. And it's so important, friends, when, when Jesus was in the desert, he was able to combat temptation with the word of God. Jesus had prepared for that in advance. And so that's why it's so crucial that we study Scripture. Because if we find ourselves in the desert and got nothing to go on, we don't want it to be too late. So like on Wednesday, when we have this terrible tragedy in our community, all these questions come up. Questions about the nature of evil, questions about justice, questions about our response in the light of these things. And we can place ourselves on God's grand arc of redemptive history and we can understand that Jesus experienced violence and that scripture speaks to how to respond to evil. That there is justice, but we're not to repay evil for evil. And scripture comforts us in knowing that we can bring all of this to God as we did at the beginning of our service. So this is real life. We need to study scripture before we're in the desert, so that when we get there, whatever that looks like in our lives, we can continue to be sustained by God. That is how we learn to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is truly studying scripture, which is so much more than information, it's revelation. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's pray. 
God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together, to study your word, to be reminded that you are the bread of life. God, it can be a daunting thing to approach the sacred holy word of yours. And so we need your help, whether we've been doing it a long time or want to give it a try for the first time. We need you to walk alongside us as we seek not just information about context or geography or lists of names, but for your word to be in our lives as you describe it, alive and active. God, give us the courage to continue a discipline or to start one. We ask that your word would be like a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. God, we love you and we trust you. Amen.